Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. Time to grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back, and let's chat about what is happening up in the stars above for the week ahead. <clears throat> Here we are on Monday, January 9th. The day's already slipping by pretty quickly since the new year. And this is a week I've been looking forward to for a while. <clears throat> Excuse me, frog and throat. As <clears throat> Mars, the planet of action, is preparing to move direct. <clears throat> Trust me when I say I feel fine. Just some kind of thing going on in my throat. So at any rate, Mars beginning to move forward this week starts opening the door for a little bit more action on our parts, a little bit more forward momentum, uh, taking us then on the journey uh, of, of doing, right? The doing of our lives. <clears throat> good morning to everybody checking in so far. Good morning, Tom and Pam and Natasha. It's good to see you. And uh, today we begin with the moon in Leo. I kind of love having a weekend with the moon in Leo and uh, starting the work week, even though I did not want to roll out of bed this morning. Uh, it was a party hardy kind of weekend <laughs> in uh, the Hickox family. And we had a great time doing a 90s birthday party for my daughter-in-law. And uh, we danced the night away. We played. We just had such a great time. And then uh, yesterday was a, a trying to get it all back together sort of day so that Monday we could be refreshed in starting the work week. So we'll talk about the moon in Leo and then what the moon is doing later on in the week, as well as some of the transits that are happening this week. And as well, a little bit deeper dive into uh, Mars and his forward motion. Now, we still have Mercury in retrograde, and Mercury does not turn direct until next week, the 18th. And so once he goes direct, then we have a little bit more of that uh, green flag kind of energy pro propelling us a little bit forward. And then on Saturday, the 22nd, so not this coming Sa or Sunday, excuse me, the 22nd. So not this coming Sunday, but the week after Uranus turns direct. And now we'll have the preponderance of at least all the inner planets in forward motion. And that makes a difference. Now that doesn't last a terribly long time, but at least we begin to see that there are some real, you know, movement that that green light or that green flag telling us, okay, do something, do something with this energy, go somewhere. So I'm very much looking forward to all of that as well. Now, Uranus is a planet that is further away from us. It's not considered a personal planet. So in our personal lives, though, Mars and Mercury, both are personal planets. So their movement to direct or forward motion is more important to us as individuals than Uranus turning direct on the 22nd. So uh, for all of us, then, you know, personally, we begin to really make those inroads into doing the things that we've been wanting to do, but seemingly couldn't do, or it seemed like there were roadblocks in our way, all of that kind of stuff. Now, 
when Uranus does turn direct, inspiration may return, right? So there could be that wobbly period of time, as of course, you know, Mercury and Mars both will be in a shadow period, the retro shade, if you will, of that retrograde motion. So it will take some time for them to get back up to speed, to move through the same degrees of the signs they are in for the retrograde to before they get into new territory. So while the go sign begins to show up, it can take some time as in, you know, most cars do not go zero to 60 in a, a second or two, right? It takes time to build up that momentum. So uh, don't get discouraged if action doesn't happen like those days, but know that you're able to start that movement forward in a way that we haven't been able to. You know, Mars turned into retrograde on October 30th. So all through pretty much uh, the fall, the, the middle fall to uh, this early part of winter, at least here in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, we've been a little bit stymied by, um, you know, that that need that we feel, especially around the first of the year, to make plans and to get moving. So we're just now heading into a time when we can can do that, you know, movement forward. So good morning to Corey and uh, Debbie Tibbetts-Tumiel. Good to see you. Pam Zaruba says, leaving for Florida on Saturday, going somewhere, some beach, <laughs> someplace warm. Uh, Sylvester, good morning to you. Sending loving energy, he says. And he says he's from Florida. Have safe travels, right? Florida. Hopefully it uh, stays warm there in Florida for you, Pam. Uh, so let's start with the moon and Leo, and then we'll go to what some of the transits are for the week ahead, because it does seem to be a week with a lot of different interplanet connections, which means changes, perhaps, or uh, interactions that uh, are popping up. Uh, but today, like I said, we start with the moon in Leo, and it comes into a square with the planet Uranus and then an, op an opposition to the planet Saturn. So Uranus is in Taurus at 15 degrees. When I pulled the chart this morning, the moon was already at 15 degrees. It was already at 70, actually. So just a little bit past the point where the square to Uranus would happen. So what we have now is a waning square of the moon to Uranus and Taurus. So maybe it was in your dreams or early morning where you became inspired by something or where there might have been some emotional volatility going on. Uh, but so far, so good. At least I didn't notice anything like that. So, uh, of course, I probably was still in bed at the time that the actual square happened and things have since moved on. But now uh, the planet Saturn is at 23 degrees of Aquarius. So that puts it in an opposition to the moon today. And the moon is closing in on that opposition. Now the moon, anytime it comes into a relationship with Saturn, can get kind of melancholic. Uh, we can get a feeling of things not going our way, or we can get a feeling of low energy, maybe tiredness, uh, feeling depleted in some ways, uh, feeling emotionally wrung out. Um, so be aware of that. Maybe feeling because the moon in Leo is so creative, maybe feeling like your well of creativity dried up a little bit. And you know, the thing about creative energy is that it often needs to move into that low wave, low frequency uh, energy in order to kind of seed what comes next or to 
prepare for birthing of a new idea or a new inspiration. Remember the creative energy, even of the solar plexus flows in waves, right? So we have the down wave and then we have the high wave and then we have the down wave. So we have uh, a period of time where creativity is pushing out of us and other times where it's inward focused and uh, in, in the true uh, form of creativity, it the juiciest part is really when we're in that lower frequency or when we're in that more inward focused phase. And then that's where the birthing is happening, right? That's where the the uh, inspiration is happening and then it pushes outward. So we're in kind of that, that today. So if you feel a little, little bit later, like you're in some kind of a funk, it's short term and it is maybe a call to move inward and uh, look at what's being created, especially because this week we start taking action. Maybe it's going to give you a peek into what comes next, right? What comes next for you? Uh, good morning, Kajella. And uh, let's see, Pam Zaruba says, thanks, Sylvester, Christine Buckingham. Good morning to you. Good to see everybody popping in on Monday. So let's talk more about what it is that the moon represents when she is moving through the sign of Leo. Leo, of course, the sign that is ruled by the sun. So now we are putting the moon in the sun's territory. And that means that our inner and outer worlds are both being uh, impacted by this particular transit. And Leo in particular rules our self-expression, our individuality. So the moon moving us inward, maybe to discover more of our own individuality, uh, maybe moving us inward to really get clearer about who we want to be, and to maybe connect with the nugget of what our passion is within us. Because Leo as a self-expressor is really passionate about their own ideas and wanting to share them with others. So we all have Leo somewhere in our charts, right? So pull your own chart if you want to look at that, see where Leo is and see what type of creativity may be coming up in relation to the house, the area of your life that Leo is sitting in. Now, Leo energy self-expression also wants an audience, loves an audience, right? And has this creative ambition that goes along with the sun in the gate 54 in your human design, which is also ambition and drive movement outward. But this gives it a little bit more of a creative slant, right? Wanting to be creative, being the creator of your own reality, kind of being the master uh, or the mastermind. Uh, behind what is happening in your life rather than giving power over to the outer world, which sometimes looks like it's what's driving our creative expression. Uh, when in fact, it is really creative expression happening within that then pushes outward. So that that might flip a little uh, button in you today as you're you're thinking about well what am I doing what what am I preparing to do where am I preparing to go and while it does seem that the outer world is the driver there truly in fact it is coming from within you so what is it that you want to do 
right? What do you want to create? And it's not creativity like artistry. It can be, certainly. Um, but it's more, you know, the creative energy isn't just about what we draw on paper or how we paint or how we decorate. That's more Libran territory, right? Or Taurus territory. Uh, because that's, you know, a Venus expression. What we have here with the sun is how do I creatively express my individuality, right? How do I do me, right? How do I do me? How do I really put myself out there into the world? And how do I individuate away from others? What makes me unique? What makes me different? And a part of that comes from that Aquarian opposition, right? Because the moon in Leo is opposing Aquarius and Aquarius energy is always looking more at the group, right? But Leo on the other side says, well, I'm also a part, a piece, uh, a fragment of the whole. So what's my uniqueness of that, right? If we're building a tapestry or we're building a uh, quilt, right? Every little piece plays part. And that's you as well. You play a part, your own unique role, your own unique part in the whole. So find that today. Uh, Leo will switch over early tomorrow morning into Virgo, which puts that creative energy to work in some ways. So we've got that going on. Uh, fun and games and playfulness are also a part of the moon in Leo, where we're celebrating Right, where we're stepping out of the doldrums or we're stepping out of, you know, the serious nature of life and getting more into the fun and the play of it, getting out of our own way, so to speak, so that we can take some creative risks so that we can actually, you know, put ourselves out there in some way. Um, Leo in your astrology chart rules the fifth house and the fifth house is a house of creative risk. Like we can't just stay in our uh, rut and do, you know, the same things every day and expect a new result, right? We have to be able to get out of our own way. We have to be able to move forward. Vacation, Pam, also part of the moon in Leo. So this might be a good day to get ready for your vacation, right? To look forward to what you're going to do when you're there. How are you going to, what are you going to do for fun? I know you said beaches, beaches. Great. But what are you going to do on those beaches? Are you going to play volleyball? Are you just going to hang out? Are you going to walk the boardwalks? Are you, I mean, I don't know. What do you do on the beaches in Florida? Probably a little different than what you do on the beaches in California. Love, love, love is also a theme of the moon in Leo, or at least the drama of the romance of love anyways. Um it's about being happy in connection with others, but rather, rather than looking outside of us to those relationships or romances to bring us happiness, being happy in spite of whatever is going on in the romantic world. Certainly love is an inspiration here and uh, romance and inspiration to being more in love. Um, it is the love of love, the love of romance. Romance is also included in gift giving. This is a very generous and magnanimous sort of sign. And excuse me, this energy wants to be able to give to others and big and small. It doesn't really matter, right? Flowers and candy or, you know, donations of money or time. Um, those kinds of things are all a part of love energy 
as it relates to Leo. Loyalty is also a big theme in Leo. But what are you being loyal to? And who should you be loyal to? Right? Doesn't it begin with being loyal to oneself, which is where the dilemma can come up with Leo energy, where that loyalty to self turns into overly self-centered, can turn into selfishness or even narcissism, leading to arrogance and overpridefulness. Those are all the shadow energies of Leo energy. Um, Leo is only next to Taurus and maybe Libra in its love for luxury and in living the good life, right? Having the good parts of life, loving, you know, the quality, not necessarily the quantity. Uh, so there is something to be said about uh, the little things, right? Sometimes it's the little things that are more impressive than the big things. Now, big things are impressive too. So I'm not saying that, you you know, not to do the big things, but sometimes it's just the little uh, overtures that you hand out that really impress others or really uh, create that spark of love and romance. Uh, also, one thing to watch out for with Leo energy is winning at all costs, right? That or what that translates into is winning at others' expense, right? You don't want to take away from others in order to, in order to forward yourself. Um, that would be the negative expression of Leo. Uh, instead, you want to do things for yourself that also reach out and improve other people's lives or uh, show a generous side of you toward the world. Um, and often that is just being you, right? No, no need to, to do anything, to bring some flourishes in of something. Just be you. Just be your loving, giving, generous, heart-centered self. And you and Leo Moon will get along just fine. Now, when we look at the human design gates that the moon moves through in Leo, we see that the self-expression part is evident through the first three gates that Leo energy is, and that is the gate 56, the gate 31, actually 31 is actually, yeah, 31 is on the throat, and the gate 33, all energies that sit on the throat center and bring about energy of speaking to something. In the 56, now this would, these gates have already, let's see, today the moon is actually starting out, I would bet, at a later gate, the gate today's the ninth, right? The gate seven and then to the gate four. So we've already passed through the gates of the throat center. Um, the first gate that would have been hit was the 56, the storyteller gate. Uh, I got really caught up yesterday in a book I was reading and I did not want to put it down. I read it to its completion and started the next one in the series. <laughs> but then by then my eyes were tired and I was like, no, I'm not reading anymore. Uh, but the storyteller energy is very prominent in the gate 56. And then Leo moves to the next throat gate 31, which is the gate of leadership, speaking as an authority or being in that leadership mode. And then also into the 33, which is sort of another, it takes, it's the story keeper. So if the 56 is the storyteller, the 33 keeps the stories, right? It holds the stories. It receives the stories, uh, the stories of humanity, and then is able to uh, retell stories. This, uh, in this quantum human design, this gate is sort of a, a retelling of the narrative 
where we're taking in the story and the story has its details. And yet, if we kept repeating the same story, let's say it's a story of tragedy and we just keep retelling that story, there's nothing wrong in remembering, you know, the tragedy or remembering what had happened. But what the 33 does is takes that story and begins to spin it, begins to tell it in a different way, begins to uplift it and to say, yes, these things happened, but these are the things that we've learned. These are the things that it triggered within us as humans and how we rose to that occasion. So the 33, you know, being a little bit of a story spinner, but not as a way to bring it into a lie right, but to uplift the story. And it's interesting because I, I watch this all the time as we recount, you know, different things that have happened, uh, 9-11 or uh, January 6th insurrection here in this country. And, you know, many of you around the world have stories, right, that of things that have happened, calamities, earthquakes, fires, floods, hurricanes, tornadoes, uh, as well as, you know, shootings and you know, all kinds of things that have happened throughout history, but also, you know, recent history. And, you know, the retelling of the story keeps that alive, but also can be a trigger to keep the emotional, angry frustration uh, alive as well. So what, what the 33 does is take that anger, frustration in the, in the event and turn it more into wisdom. What did we learn from this event? How have we surmounted the uh, the tragedy or how have we come out on the other end stronger for it? But it also looks retrospectively at what did the what was the cost to us as humans in that experience? Did it trigger fear, right? Did it trigger, um, you know, closing down in some way as opposed to opening our hearts in a bigger way? So a lot of um, uh, a lot of things that are happening with this particular energy. Uh, then we move out of the gates on the throat and we move more to toward the identity center, the gate seven, which actually, you know, is the opposite gate of 31. It is the leadership sort of behind the story, behind the throne, if you will. It is the chief of staff energy. It is the support. How do we support the growing leadership, right? How do we, how do we, how, what do we need to do in order to support where we want to go? Then we move to the Ajna, the gate four uh, with Leo energy. And that's where we will be today, the gate seven and the gate four. The gate four looks at possibilities. It's a gate that would join up to the gate 63. So if you have the gate 63, the channel of, of doubt and suspicion would be completed in your uh, template. So the four energizes our need to see the bigger picture in some ways or to look at what more is possible and to move out of the the doubt right it's it's doubt that is meant to cause us to become more discerning about what we do about who we do that with about where we go about what we spend about you know what we ingest but unfortunately, it also ends up being self-doubt many times. And instead of, you know, doubting what we hear or being more wise about, say, like uh, uh, those conspiracy theories, we take them in and we ingest them and we make them true. 
And it was in, it's an interesting thing that we see that can happen here. We begin to doubt the wrong things, right? We begin to doubt the wrong things. And instead we turn it inward and we turn out doubting ourselves. So that will be something, a, a kind of clue uh, will be when you start to get out of that by looking at, well, what more is possible? right? What are the other things that could be true as well, instead of just one truth, right? Because the truth is very slippery that way. <laughs> There's many truths, right? Uh, and then the last gate that Leo will touch on, and actually this gate kind of straddles both Leo and Virgo, is the gate 29. And the gate 29 is a gate of saying yes. So as we get, that won't start until we get into uh, tomorrow uh seven and four yeah it'll be tomorrow morning and uh we'll end up then with this energy around um what are we what are we committing ourselves to right it's the gate it's called the gate of commitment but in the shadow of that gate of commitment we have half-heartedness where we're not fully committed to one thing or another or where we may because we're excited to say yes or to leap that, that could be a big problem this week with Mars getting ready to turn uh, direct where we've been stifled and now we really want to jump out and we want to go, yes, yes, I'll do it. And then later we're like, hmm, why did I say yes to that? That that could be a problem. So watch what you're saying yes to um, as and at, at the same level, watch what you're saying no to. Neptune is still sitting at the gate of saying no. And sometimes we could be a little foggy about uh, what is correct for us or not, especially with Neptune sitting there at 36, wanting to say, no, that's not going to make me happy. No, that's not going to give me, get, relieve my boredom. No, that's not going to relieve that stress or that uh, turbulence. Um, and then now we have this energy of, yes, maybe I'm just going to say yes to everything because I so badly want to be, feel more than bored or feel more than restless interesting dynamic uh, going on, kind of playing in the in the background of uh, the week. Now, uh, as we look ahead, uh, let's see. Good morning, Jana. It's good to see you. Tom says, did you already mention Mercury Square Chiron on the 11th? I did not. Uh, also, is Chiron a personal planet? It is not. Uh, hello, Galactic Souls. Gayla Seeger says, no, Tom, Chiron is the rainbow bridge, if you will, between the transpersonals, which are Jupiter and Saturn, and the collective planets, which are Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. So while Chiron plays a role, it is, it, it's really more on this collective level. Like it, he really impacts the direction that society or culture will move. And right now with him being in Aries, he is all about, you know, becoming, seeing how we are more interdependent rather than just dependent or codependent and or independent and um, seeing how it is that we could all fit together. His uh, square to, to Mercury, uh, would really be more about finding your own voice and likely um, being able to to move ahead, move ahead, even though there may be a wound or pain there. I, I just realized this morning, I have this uh, app on my phone called Time Passages, 
And I really like it for being able to give me very detailed information about what's happening for me personally, because I don't always go and pull my chart. So I'll look at something like this and I realize that, you know, Chiron is actually squaring my ascendant and has been off and on for the last several, uh, for the last, I think it started in late 2021. And finding my voice, that has been something very interesting for me. Like, what do I want to talk about? Right. Where do I want to take my voice? And uh, so Chiron can bring it into personal, especially when he is playing with a personal planet, like in this case, Mercury. So what kind of wounds around being heard or being valued or seen or recognized might be coming up for you? That would be sort of what that uh, Chiron, Chironic energy might be bringing up this week. Uh, good morning to you, Michelle. It's good to see you out there. Uh, so the week ahead, uh, I hope that answered your question, uh, Tom. If you have more about that, let me know. Uh, so the week ahead today, we are sitting with Venus in a trine to Mars. Now, you know, trines are 120 degree angles between the planets, which means that they are sitting in similar um, elements, right? Similar elements, meaning air, fire, earth, or water. And of course, Venus at this moment is in Aries, air, I mean, Aries, Aquarius, an air sign, air, not Aries, uh, and in a trine with Mars then in Gemini, a fellow air sign. So what we have is this creative spark around creating communication or looking at the contents of one's mind. And in Aquarius, of course, she's taking on more of that forward looking energy. In Gemini, we still have Mars retrograde, so it might be preparing for what is the voice going to be next, what what words or or what um, themes might there be in what you're talking about as time moves forward. And the trine suggests that there's an ease going on, a flow between the two planets, which brings a lot of creativity energy, Mars being the masculine principle and Venus being the feminine principle, right? And it takes both for creation. And so we have very creative energy flowing back and forth, ideas, maybe inspiration, maybe dreaming, maybe but it's not time to take action on those ideas yet. So in, in a way, it's the prelude to what comes later in the week when Mars does start to move forward and next week when Mercury moves back to forward and then next week later in the week uh, when Uranus turns forward. So we could be dreaming about what it is that we do next. We can be imagining what it is that we do or where our voices or our minds take us next. So it's an interesting energy. Um, of course, we're kind of holding on and we're not taking necessarily new forward action yet, but that doesn't mean that we can't be in the planning stages. That doesn't mean that we can't be, you know, even talking about it amongst our friends or even, you know, talking about it amongst our networks as to, well, what what is it that you wanna hear? What is it that you wanna know? What Where would you like me to go? in terms of, of teaching or because Gemini teaching energy, um, uh, Aquarius could also be a, a little bit about teaching energy as well. And then, uh, then Tuesday, Tuesday, we move the moon out of Leo and into Virgo. Now Virgo energy takes Leo's creativity and expresses it 
right, puts it to work. So we spend the next few days uh, with that happening. Now, Mars turns direct on the, at 12.37 p.m. West Coast time on the 12th. And the moon will be in Virgo when that transition happens. So, and Virgo being a sign also ruled by Mercury and Mars in Gemini ruled by Mercury. So Mars is in Mercury territory. So it does seem to be that we are preparing a voice or we are preparing a, a something that we want to learn or something that if you happen to be a teacher, something that you want to teach. And it reminds me, I spent some time Friday or maybe it was Saturday. I have no idea. Oh, it was Saturday uh, before the party. Uh, watching a very interesting series of uh, astrological videos on the age of air. Now, if you guys did the astrology of 2023 webinar with me, you know, we talked about, I talked about that during um, the, the broadcast that day. And I thought it was interesting as I was really digging into this age of air. Mars is in Gemini, that's air. And then we have Venus now in Aquarius, Saturn in Aquarius, that's air. We have Pluto preparing to move into Aquarius, that's air. And so we have this uh, sort of uh, focus on air energy. And not to leave Libra out, because Libra is also an air sign, but Libra and air energy comes in a little bit later in the year when the nodes move out of Scorpio Taurus and over into Aries and Libra. The south node is going to pop in to Libra. So it almost feels like the messaging changes fundamentally. We're moving out of the past air energy, uh, the past messaging of of, airy, of, uh, of air messages and into a new one, right? So, and remember back on December 21st, 2020, when Jupiter and uh, Saturn came into their conjunction, they kind of launched us into the age of air. Although we had a foreshadowing of that in 1980, when we had a conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter in Libra. And then uh, in 2000, that went back to the last conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn in Earth. So we see from 1980 until, you know, the until 2020, we were in sort of this transition, leaving behind the energy of Earth and really in coming into this age of air. And what we're moving into most powerfully, and we've seen this, so it, this is not new to us, is that we're moving into more and more of this information age. You know, years from now, we'll look back and we'll see that this really began this age of information. And things, all information type things thrive. Astrology is ruled by Aquarius, thriving, right, in, in uh, air energy. And I also can't help but feel that, that this gives us, this, this next 200 years gives us this opportunity to really reintegrate spirit into the human dynamic uh, in a way that, you know, hasn't been able to be. Even even during religious times, there was always teachings taking us out of looking inward and instead looking outward or upward, right? That there's this place called heaven and we seen it up, up, 
above us in somehow and that it was a realm that we aspired to rather than one we were naturally a part of um, there always seemed to be these stringent things that we had to adhere to in order to earn our way to heaven uh, in reality, the air age takes that and turns it upside down. And we've seen that theme already working through our awarenesses that, you know, we are divine beings in a human body experiencing God here on the planet as a fragment, if you will, or a, a fractal of, of spirit. We're going to see more and more of that. And again, that takes us away from looking outside of ourselves for what we do and looking more inward to what we do. How do I live my, you know, reality? How do I make uh, live true to myself, I guess is the way I would put that. Now, the information age, you know, all ages have their high and their low expression, right? The low expression of the earth age brought us uh, resources that we just chewed through, right? Uh, utilizing resources on the planet, eating them up, kind of moving into environmental disasters, uh, move, you know, utilizing, uh, using so much oil that, you know, we're in a, a deficit that way and you know when we wanted when we were hungry for more oil we went to fracking which is so damaging to both the earth herself but also the the top part of the earth creating earthquakes and it just on and on so you you get my drift capitalism a big problem there because it drove us to consume right to consume to be consumers to purchase more and more and rather than reusing or recycling or mending uh, something that was broken or fixing something that was broken uh, you know we would just go out and buy a new one which meant that the products that were being uh, built during that time were also being built to be destructed in less time than older products would have been so it, it did the, the, all the raw materials and all of that were being used up in the age of earth. Money was of major importance during that period of time. And, you know, we're still kind of moving away from that and haven't quite incorporated what this new air age will mean. So anytime we have planets in air, we're getting a glimmer, a glimpse uh, a forward um, sort of peek into the future of the age of air. And, you know, when we looked at the uh, last time that air, the, the 1980 air, Jupiter and Saturn conjunction, what we saw in that next 20 years was Russia, or USSR, uh, the Soviet Union collapsing. It was the end of apartheid. It was the end, literally, of colonialism, right? The world began to go, no, that, you know, we, we, we want to be our own uh, country. We want to have our own power. And it began the network state. There's a book called The Network State. And I can't remember who the author is at the moment. But uh, where what became more important and what will become more important moving into the future is the networks that we build, the people in the networks more importantly than just the information that's passing through the network but the networks of people and how those people come together in ways that are like-minded in ways that are mutually supportive now the first things we saw during that period of time that worked about that were network oriented was the establishment of the european union and 
you know, not for good or bad, right? It, it doesn't, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not taking one side or the other. I'm just saying these were, you know, people with common interests or countries with common interests more, more um, uh, accurately that were coming together to do something, right? To mutually support trade in, in their way, immigration uh, in their way. So we may find ourselves with more and more agreements or that kind of networking um, going on. Where, uh, and what I, I'm afraid that this might devolve into is choosing sides, right? Choosing sides and becoming polarized in that kind of way, at least at first. Um, so we want to know that going into it. So we don't necessarily want to choose sides and saying that my network is better than your network, right? My people are right and yours are wrong. We want to avoid that at all costs. But we really do want to be in the atmosphere of people that are supportive of ourselves. But we also want to allow for what other people find supportive for themselves as well. And Another question, who decides what's true? We also touched on that this morning with all of these um, energies moving through the throat center uh, because Mars, as he turns direct, is still going to be in these throat centers all the way until we get into February some, or March sometime. Um, what are we saying, right? What's the, who decides what's true? Right? Are we going to let the government decide what's true? Are we going to let the conspiracy theorists tell us what's true? Or are we going to go with the truth from what we embody and what we feel and what we know? Um, ultimately, what's happening is everything that we've come to rely on is dissolving. Right, All the structures and the forms that have been built over the previous 200 years of Earth ages of the earth age are dissolving right in front of us, right? And that kind, that level of change is um, disruptive. It's disheartening even at times as we're watching these things crumble. And here's what's even worse than that, is that earth has form, earth has structure, earth is solid, air not, not containable, you know, not able to be pinned down. It's moving. It's changing all the time. So we're we're sort of in a um, in in an air wave time where things are going to change rapidly, and holding on to the past is not going to be is going to just create more suffering, right? It's going to create more instability, which is kind of upside down, right? In the age of Earth you know, we craved stability, we needed stability and the, the forms and the structures, the governments, the, the bureaucracies that were all brought about in that time were about creating a solidness, creating cohesion, uh, creating rules and laws that we all lived by, uh, standardizing, if you will, uh, societies and cultures. Well, that's being undone, right? Undone. And the air ages always seem to begin with pandemics, right? The, we, uh, in this video, this guy takes us all the way back to, oh, what was that year? It was sort of like uh, 463 BCE, the first age of air that they, you know, where recorded history is. And it began with a pandemic called the Plague of Athens. And I didn't have a chance yet to look at that. But um, if you look at that and then you go to the next age of air, which was in 
332 BC or 332 uh, AD, St. Augustine's time, uh, we had the Justinian plague and the bubonic plague. The next air uh, energy came in at the medieval times, 1185 to 1425, and that was the Black Death. And then here we get into the information age in 2020 and what shows up? COVID. Interesting, just interesting, right? It almost feels like these pandemics, these viruses somehow trigger that mutative energy within us, right? We begin to change as a result uh, of that pandemic. And I mean, certainly those of you who like history, you can go back and just research all the changes that were going on during those periods of time. How did humanity change? How did governments change? How did cultures change? Uh, because the planet herself is also resonating to these changes, right? These as above, so below. So it is so fascinating to get in that. I didn't mean to devolve into that. Um, I will post those, Christine, because I'm going to have to go back and find, did I leave that open? No, I did not. I closed down my computer, so I don't. Hold on just one second. Let me see if I can find it in my history. Um... Nope. Ah, I found it. Hold. It is, don't start playing. It is called World Astrology Report. That is the name of the channel. And the video that I was watching is called The Astrological Epic that explains our current momentum. Let me grab that link and put it in here. There you go. And let me uh, show it. And how do I do that show? There we go. There's the YouTube link. And that just is one video. That's kind of the overview video. But he has several videos that you can, if you're interested in the subject, like I was like, fascinated. Um, go ahead and take a look at that. It really explains a lot about where we are and how it is that we can move forward. That's the key, right? We're going to we're gonna be propelled forward no matter what. So there's no sense in digging your heels in. Uh, you fixed signs, Leo, Taurus, and Scorpio, and trying to stick, right? Stick it. You're not going to be able to. And uh, the, the air signs are probably the ones that are the best suited for what happens next. So the Gemini, Libra, Aquarians. I think the key word that we could come up with is adaptability, right? We have to become very adaptable to and flexible uh, to the changing of the norms or the changing of, of the, the world that we live in and uh, being willing and able, I forgot to plug my laptop in, there we go, uh, being willing and able to go with the flow or as I like to say, flow with the go, right? What direction are things moving in? Now, that doesn't mean you lose your individuality or you have to do what everybody else is doing. That's not it at all. It's just know that technology is going to be leaping ahead. It already is. Um, that our thoughts about who we are will be leaping ahead. The things that we're talking about leaping ahead. And one other thing, you know, and I've talked about this a few times uh, kind of quietly because I don't like adding energy necessarily to this. But in 2025, Uranus moves into Gemini and uh, that is an air sign, right? An air sign. 
Right now, Uranus is in Taurus and helping to liberate us and dissolve some of the situations, the, some of the, the things, the, the particularly monetary things that uh, supports that we've built. So that means, you know, likely more economic stress and so forth. But always when, at least for the USA, when Uranus gets to the later degrees of Taurus, there's a trigger event, something happens, and then, you know, it moves into Gemini, and we begin the process of war. You know, in our history as a country, we started with that Uranus in Gemini uh, at uh, moving us into the Revolutionary War. In the Civil War, it was also Uranus in Gemini. In World War II, it was also Uranus in Gemini. And here we are, we come to 84 years or so later, uh, with uh, Uranus again preparing to move into Gemini. And what will be different, right? We've been in the age of Earth during those uh, three big wars. So does the nature of warfare change? Well, you bet, yeah, it already has. Right now, war is being done by drones, right? Bombs, you know, drones, seeing something and blowing up things. Uh, it's cyber wars, right? I mean, I, raise your hand if at least two or three times a day you're getting emails from somebody purporting to have taken over your computer, wanting you to pay them money to let it go uh, or to release your laptop back to you, even though it's foolhardy to click on any of those links, people do it. And then they end up with malware, spyware on their computer and having problems. Uh, how many times do you get emails, you know, saying, giving you, sending you an invoice for something that you haven't purchased? <laughs> So there is sort of a war going on already. It's an information war or it is an email uh, barrage or it is other um, uh, things that we use to communicate with one another that are under attack. Messenger. Uh, sometimes it's, a, you know, um, it's going on in, you know, the, the way that we communicate and do being business. Zoom, right? Zoom had to put up all these protections, right? Uh, either passwords or uh, uh, admitting, you know, had to, having to be admitted to a, a meeting because people were taking advantage of that. It's just really kind of amazing when you start to really calculate, well, what's been going on here uh, and how can we move forward with all of this? All right. I didn't mean to go all into that, although it's fascinating. So, uh, Christine, can I ask for prayers to find my neighbor's lost Chihuahua dog named Hefe? Oh, yes. So Hefe, let's pray that Hefe is found safe and sound. Um, I hope that's true. And Tom, done, he says, love and gratitude. Love that. Love how everybody's so supportive. This is a community, by the way, right? This, this is a network, a network of people that support one another through astrology, through human design, through whatever fanciful things that I come up with to share with everybody and how that opens up your mind or creates a change for you in your own personal life and how you all support one another when there are things going on. Pam, is grounding going to play a bigger part in holding us to ourselves versus be, being blown away with the collective? Um, that. That is, that kind of goes, you know, with the times as well, Pam, that, you know, how do you hold on to your own self when, you know, 
heavy winds are blowing, right? The winds of change blowing us and the tendency for things to dissolve and disintegrate, right? It's like watching, you know, something digitize and turn into itty bitty bits and parts and then just being able to have the wind sweep it away. And I, I want us to hold that loosely. I want us to be willing to, to see that change can be good, but also to see that change and trying to resist it is, is more of a disaster than it is helpful. And one of the ways that we can be that way is to be able to tether ourselves to ourselves, right? Or to be able to uh, become untethered to or detached from um, the things that we're thinking about or the things that are happening out there and instead be very grounded in our own person, you know, in our own reality, in our own knowingness. So yes, right? Things like meditation, uh, things like yoga and things like that are going to be very helpful. Any kind of spiritual work that you're doing with yourself can be helpful to keep you very um, grounded. So we need to be grounded, but I don't want grounding to be mistaken for stubbornly digging in your heels and not being willing to go with the flow, right? There's a difference there. Being grounded just says, yes, I know what's right for me. I know what's good for me and I'm going to act on my behalf. I'm going to add my beauty and my song to the harmony of everyone else. Uh, or I'm going to create a harmony by adding myself to the group. Uh, it, it's just going to be a different way to look. And, you know, really, we're just at the beginning of this 200 years, right, of air now. And that means that, you know, unless something extraordinary happens, and oh, by the way, it probably could, uh, most of us won't be alive at that point in time. Uh, so it, we won't, you know, we're seeing the beginning of it, we're living through the age that kicks it off, we're living through the, the craziness that kicks off an age of air, but we're not necessarily going to be here to see how it ends, how everything comes into fruition before we shift to the new age. All right, now looking at the rest of the week real quickly, uh, nothing much going on on the 11th, except we have the change of the in human design week and we move this. So I told you on Friday that the sun is playing in all of the gates of the root center during this period of time, except for one week. And that's this week on the 11th, uh, the, the planet or the sun will move into the gate 61, which is actually up on the head center. It is, or, uh, yeah, the head center, the gate of wonder and awe and magic right? Being able to see beyond uh, what we think we see and instead tap into something that is more than what it appears. With the earth into the 62, the challenge is going to be to see the details. You know, we might be able to hold on to that higher picture uh, of what things are going on, but how do we fit in it? So that week uh, is going to be about how we fit in it. And literally the channel 1762 uh, is one that we want to be thinking about because at various times in the next few weeks, uh, as we get further into January, Jupiter is going to be holding sway at gate 17. And every month the moon is going to be moving through the 62, completing that whole channel of seeing the bigger picture, the forest, but also being able to see the trees. So we're going to have to use both of those visions, right? The bigger vision and the smaller vision. 
we're going to have to be able to do both, right? To hold the whole picture and not just one or the other. So mid-January to February uh, and a little bit into March, that is going to be uh, a path that we're going to have to move through. Thursday, Mars turns direct. We've talked a lot about that already. Friday, Sun comes into a sextile with Neptune. I always think of that energy as being enlightening, right? Being able to help turn the light switch on to maybe something that's been a problem or something that you've been struggling through. Uh, being uh, something that you've been blinded to uh, and that light switch coming on, right? And being able to see uh, maybe how to become more spiritually engaged, how to be more of yourself, that kind of thing. Because you're kind of blending the ego, physical, here I am in my human form with the more spiritual, I can't see you, but I can feel you, uh, I can sense you. Uh, so, you know, blending the spirit and the human, right? Becoming very much uh, aware of the fullness of who you are. Saturday, Venus and Uranus come into a square with one another. Uh, I think I'll talk more about that during Friday's broadcast. It can be very difficult for relationships uh, but it can also be very liberating in relationships, especially if you clear the air between you of something that's maybe hanging over you. Um, but sometimes that very, uh, you know, clearing of the air brings new problems to fill that space. So we'll have to see a little bit more about where that plays out and how that plays out. Uh, remember, Mars moving direct is going to hit all the gates of the throat, right? We're going to be able to say things in ways that we haven't been able to say things since October 30th. Is that a good thing? I don't know, right? So watch your words, make sure they don't turn into, uh, you know, guns and knives and threats and uh, ugliness toward one another. The gate 16 is the first gate as Mars will turn direct at 16, the gate of enthusiasm. So we have this, you know, sort of ability to be bubbly and to engage people enthusiastically in a subject. Moving then into the 35, the gate of the uh, Jack or Jill of all trades, experiential, right? Wanting to share of our experiences, um, but a tendency sometimes to, to share the more jaded aspects of our experiences. So we'll want to watch what we're doing there. Then he moves into a money gate on February 24th. So we'll want to watch the economy around that time. Um, major announcements about that, or I don't know, maybe is that a time when corporate financial reports start to come in? I'm, I'm not sure about that one yet. And then the gate 12, the gate of the channel and sharing our wisdom with one another. And finally, he leaves the sign of Gemini in March and into the sign of Cancer, changing up that energy. But it's certainly been an enlightening trip of Mars through Gemini, at least for me, hopefully for all of you as well. Uh, I just want to let all of you know that today at 4 p.m. Pacific time, my daughters and I will be interviewing Amy Colvin, Amy Patty Colvin. Uh, and what we're talking about is so timely, meditation and breath work, how to bring ourselves to your center, how to be able to withstand all the chaos and the crazy outside of you. So that will be at 4 p.m. Pacific time on Desire to Inspire. So you'll go to that Facebook page. I'll also post that in the description beneath the YouTube video for today. And that will, again, be at 4 p.m. on that page. So I, we broadcast live. Uh, and what else is happening this week? I think that's it for this week. 
Friday, of course, I will be back on air. So it was good seeing you all this Monday morning. I hope I have given you tons to think about and uh, take care. All right. Bye for now. Do you wish you could better understand yourself and what is going on in the world? Well, grab your cup of coffee or tea and join the podcast Living Astrology with Janet Hickox for Astrology, Human Design, and Gene Keys Wisdom. Mondays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Podcasts are available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and your other favorite outlets.